Awesome, awesome. All right. Well, this Sunday, our church right now, today, at this very moment, is doing something that we have never done before. God has laid on my heart to allow three pastors in our church to preach for the very first time to all of you. Um, We're actually going to do it kind of like in a round-robin style. It's all based on passion. It's based on pursuing our passion, using our passion, and finding our passion. And so we're going to have Pastor Lisa, Pastor Josh, who is our worship pastor, and Pastor Justin, who is our executive pastor, preach this morning. And so what I'm going to ask you all to do is give a very warm welcome to our first speaker, and that is Pastor Lisa. Come on out. Good morning. (laughs) That's my son. (laughs) Well, I first of all would like to thank Pastor Jeff for the opportunity to stretch my faith this morning. Uh, This is a first for me. I've only spoken in Sunday school classes, never done it in front of a whole church. So it's going to be a good time. Thanks, Pam. (laughs) So this morning, we're going to learn three different perspectives on passion. We're going to hear about how you find your passion, how you pursue your passion, and how you use your passion. And I'm going to talk to you this morning about how you find your passion. Maybe for some of you in here this morning, or if you're watching online, um, the stretch that's being required of you is to actually find your passion and what you're passionate about. And how you find that passion is very closely related to what your purpose is and the purpose that God has for you. So you may ask yourself, is my life a reflection of what I want to do or is it a reflection of what God wants me to do? And for some of us, including myself, that's a hard question to answer because we typically are doing what we want to do and not necessarily what God wants. And part of that reason is because we don't want to relinquish control. Do we have any control freaks in the house? Okay, come on. I'm not the only one. I know I'm not. So sometimes we just don't want to relinquish that control as to what God wants us to do. So before we get started, so that I can calm my nerves, I'm going to pray. Father God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity, and I thank you for each and every individual that is here, whether they're watching online or they're actually joining us here in service. I thank you, Father, that your Holy Spirit will be used to speak through me what it is you want me to say and that everyone will have ears to hear it. I thank you for the peace that surpasses all understanding, and I thank you that you're going to guide my words, Pastor Josh's words, and Pastor Justin's words this morning. And I just praise you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I was 16 years old, if anybody had asked me, Lisa, what do you want to be when you grow up? My answer, very quickly and very passionately, was I want to be a wife and a mom. I didn't want to be a teacher. I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to be a dentist. I didn't want to do any of those things. I just wanted to be a wife and a mom. And I did go to Oklahoma State University. Go Pokes. Got a degree in elementary education, but that was never my passion. Um, Teaching was never a passion of mine. Um, Sorry, I've got hair all over the place. Uh, That's going to bother me. Um, So that wasn't my passion to teach, 
but I got the degree, and while I was going to Oklahoma State, uh, Jeff and I got married, so I accomplished 50% of my goal. 50% of my passion accomplished. That actually wasn't that easy, but. Um, and then about two and a half years later, we had our first daughter, Asia, who's actually here this morning. And, um, and then our two other children came along several years after that. And so I had accomplished my goals. I was living my passion. And there were times when I would get part-time jobs here and there, but I always, always end up leaving those jobs because my desire was to be at home, um, being that wife and mom. But it was about a year ago, someone approached me and said, so Lisa, your youngest daughter is gonna be graduating high school next year. What are you gonna do? And I knew I was gonna be an empty nester shortly, but it never occurred to me that the kids would be out of the house, Jeff would be at work, and what was I gonna do with my time? And it actually kind of niggled me a little bit because I, I genuinely hadn't thought about what my next step in life was going to be. And maybe for some of you, you might be in a similar situation. Um, maybe you're about to graduate high school, or you're about to graduate college, or you're about to retire. Maybe you're gonna take a new job. Maybe you're gonna start a family or get married. There's all these different seasons in our life where what we've been doing in the past is suddenly about to change and that begs the question of, what is it that God wants me to do next? When I was confronted with this question as to what I was going to do in a year, um, some of my thoughts were, what is it I'm passionate about? I mean, I've been a wife and a mom for 27 years. What, what does Lisa want to do? Um, and what is my purpose here? I know it's been a wife and a mom, but now I need something new to do. And how do I find out what it is that God wants me to do? So there was actually two things that occurred to me, two things that we all must understand about ourselves in order to answer these questions. The first one is we have to understand that God made each one of us unique with special gifts and talents. Each one of us created by God and within our creation, created being, we have gifts and talents. In, in Psalm 139, verse 14, David writes, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. David is not only acknowledging that God created him and made him fearfully and wonderfully, but he's actually praising God for it. And I think for some of us, that might be a huge stretch, is to actually acknowledge that, number one, he created us fearfully and wonderfully. There was no mistake when he made us. But number two, that we should praise him for it. He equipped each one of us with gifts and talents to be used by God. The second thing we need to understand about ourselves is that he created us this way for a purpose. And that purpose is to establish and extend his kingdom. He made all of us to worship him. I mean, that was his, his original plan was for us to worship him. But after that, after we accept Jesus into our hearts, he actually gave us a purpose for our life, and that's to establish and extend his kingdom. In Romans 8, 28, Paul writes, And we know that for those who love God, how many in here love God? If you're born again and you know Jesus, then 
this includes you. For those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, not our own purpose, but his. And it's according to this purpose that everything we've accomplished to this point in our lives works together for that good. That means up until now, the 27 years that I've been a wife and a mom, all of that works together for his purpose. That means not only my successes, but my failures, they're all going to work together for his good. Nothing is wasted with God. Amen? So going back to my story of a year ago, and what am I going to do with my life? (laughs) Because it definitely was a concern of mine, um, and I wanted to do the right thing. There were some practical steps that I took. First and foremost, I started to pray. Like, literally, I was asking God, God, what is it you want me to do in this next season? Like, I can see it coming, but I don't want to wait until I get there to know what it is I'm supposed to do. Can you tell me what I'm supposed to be doing sooner? And I started spending a lot of time with him about this subject. And then it was um, last summer, if you guys, most of you will recall, uh, Pastor Jeff got invited to go to Home Church Scotland for a, uh, a conference for him to speak at in Scotland. I was invited to go as well. I was not quite as enthusiastic about going as he was. Um, I had a lot of anxiety about traveling, had a lot of anxiety about my luggage getting lost, all, all kinds of anxiety issues. But primarily, my anxiety was I was afraid that I was going to be asked to do something that I didn't think I was qualified or capable or ready to do. And I really struggled with going, (laughs) to be 100% honest. Um, So we went to Scotland. It was a three-day conference, much like Encounter. Uh, It was Friday night with a message and worship, and then it was all day Saturday, lots of worship, lots of messages, and then Sunday there was worship and messages. I'm mentioning the worship a lot because literally every time we started in a worship set, I was bawling my eyes out. Okay, anybody that knows me, that's not a stretch. I cry all the time. Everybody knows this. But it was different this time. And it was during this time that I had the revelation that as I'm crying, every time worship begins, after a while, I literally told myself, you know what, none of these people know me. They don't know that I cry all the time. So let's just let it flow. And I just let it flow and I let it go. And I was crying and crying and crying. And it was during that time where I realized God had to take me out of Oklahoma, away from everybody who knew me, away from everything that I've ever known, and take me outside of my comfort zone to a place where nobody knew me and lovingly just allow me to be myself. And everybody in Scotland was so amazing. They were so encouraging. They were so uh, they poured into me. It was, it was just an amazing opportunity and an amazing experience. But I knew that he wouldn't change. I wouldn't change. Sorry. I wouldn't change as long as I stayed where I was. And so through all these tears, three days of crying, I decided to relinquish that control. And it was in that uh, giving up of that control. I, because Trust me, I've tried to hold it all together for years and years. Um, It occurred to me that what those tears represented was my surrender. So, number one, I had to recognize 
that I am fearfully and wonderfully made by God for a purpose. And he's equipped me with gifts and talents, some of which have not been revealed yet. And I also had to realize that in the moment of surrender, I decided to go from what it is I want to what God wants. Now, I'm no more special than you. You're no more special than me. God is not a respecter of persons. If he can do it for me, he can also do it for you. Um, So Scotland came and went. I came home, and suddenly I have pastor in front of my name. (laughs) Crazy, but okay. Yay, God. And um, I actually came home with a new purpose and a new passion. But it all started with recognizing that I needed a new passion. And I had to stretch and do something different. So how can you find your purpose or passion? Maybe you're one of those people that are, you know, you can see that something is about to change in your life. Um, I will tell you that it will require a stretch. And Pastor Jeff did an amazing job this past past month talking about there's victory in that stretch. And so there was a few things that I would encourage you to do. First of all, you need to know Jesus. I mean, plain and simple, none of this is possible without salvation because first, we have to love Jesus before we love ourselves. So if you don't know Jesus, I would invite you at the end of service, there will be an opportunity and an invitation. I would invite you to meet Jesus for the first time. Secondly, you need to believe that you're wonderfully and created by God and fearfully created by God. Um, God is not a respecter of persons. He created all of us to worship him, and he created us all unique with unique gifts and talents. And those gifts and talents are to establish and extend his kingdom. We're all here to extend his kingdom. And then, it may seem like a no-brainer, but I would encourage you to ask God, what is it you want me to do? Um, sometimes we go through, or maybe it's just me, we go through life and we do things and we never stop and think about, oh, I wonder what God thought I should do about this. So I would encourage you, if you're wondering what your passion and your pursuit and your purpose is in life, ask him. Be proactive about it. If you can see it coming, don't wait. Um, I could have waited until, you know, Zoe was out of the house and Jeff was at work and then I'm suddenly sitting at home going, "Mm, okay, well, God, what do you want me to do? But a year ago, I was asked, and so I started preparing and started moving that ball forward by asking him, what is it you want me to do with my life, Lord? And then I would encourage you to spend time with him because sometimes we ask questions, but we don't stand around long enough to hear an answer um, or maybe even spend time with the Lord to get an answer. Um, And then I would encourage you to watch for opportunities. At the time, Scotland, I thought, was just for Jeff. It was 100% for me. Um, I'll claim it for my own till the day I die. Um, But be obedient when opportunities arise. And I would even take it a step further and say that if it takes takes you out of your comfort zone, you're probably on the right track. Um, You're not going to stretch in your comfort zone. I would love to be in my comfort zone right now, but that's not where the victory's at. And then finally, if you truly want to find your passion and what God has for your life, most important step, surrender.
this isn't about you. And it's not about me, but it's all about God. Amen. And if, if I can do it, listen, this is a huge stretch, huge stretch. But if I can do it, any one of us can do it. And, and there may be something in your life where you're just living the day-to-day and you're wondering, oh my gosh, is this all that God has for me? Look for the stretch. Be obedient. Pray about it. And above all things, just surrender to him. He's got you just like he's got me. So with that, thank you so much for letting me be here this morning. Um, And I'm going to pass it on to Pastor Jeff. I'm sorry, Pastor Josh. And he's going to tell you how to pursue your passion. So please welcome up Pastor Josh. Thank you, Pastor Lisa. That was absolutely phenomenal. Well, if you don't know me, my name is Pastor Josh. I have the amazing honor and privilege of being the worship pastor here at Home Church. I have been a part of the worship ministry for about 13 to 14 years. Um, It's been an amazing opportunity to be serving, and now I finally have the opportunity to be the worship pastor, which is what I felt like I've been called to do. I've been doing this for about a year and a half, um, and I'm just super, super excited. So, When I was 12 years old, I felt that God put a passion and a desire in this calling on my life to be a worship leader or a worship pastor. Um, At that time, I was about 12 to 14 years old. Didn't really know what that meant. I knew that by serving was my first step to do that. So how did I feel whenever God placed that desire in my heart? I felt happy. I felt like I was important. I felt that I mattered. Um, I felt like this is something that I was born to do. I also knew that this was something, and this was how I was going to impact not just the people around me, but also the church and help grow other people's desire to worship God, because that's what we're created to do. So then I asked myself, how do I begin to pursue this passion? I took the practical steps. I started taking piano lessons. I went and interned. I asked all my mentors who were in the worship field, hey, how do you do this, 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 and this? Because I have no idea what I'm doing right now. Um, At that time, I was just working part-time at Chick-fil-A, just kind of doing my own thing. And I knew on my free time, I was supposed to be pursuing that passion. The pursuit of your passion is a preparation for you to put your passion to use. So something I want to ask you is what do your words say about your passion? Are you actually taking the steps necessary to further your passion? Or do you like just the idea and you're only talking about it? Um, Are you actually putting in the work that it takes to grow your passion? I think that's where a lot of us like to stay is that comfort zone that Pastor Lisa was talking about. We like to just stay here and be like, that would be a great idea. But you got to stretch yourself and get out of that comfort zone to be able to grow that. So what is one step that we can take as believers to pursue a life like Jesus? And that's by volunteering. Um, One of our amazing worship team leaders, Christian Clark, came to me last year expressing an interest in becoming a worship pastor someday. 
I felt that having an opportunity over the summer to intern like I got to um, was going to be a phenomenal way to learn what behind the scenes ministry is, what worship is, all the little details that most people don't see. His passion was and still is so strong that he took his last summer break in high school to pursue his passion for worship, which also his passion for God. He didn't have to do that. He could have just said, you know what? Worship sounds great. I'll just still do what I do on Sundays and on Wednesdays. He wanted to take that step further and really dive deep into what God has for him. And that is an amazing way to pursue your passion. Another great biblical example of passion was David. David had a passion for music. Even when he was a shepherd, he was still writing music. Even in his not-so-glamorous days as a shepherd, he was still pursuing his passion, and he was still pursuing God. So I want to share with you a little bit of a backstory on David and how he was brought into King Saul's life. In 1 Samuel 16, the Lord tells Samuel to go to Jesse in Bethlehem and says, I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Samuel had to do this without King Saul knowing about it. So Samuel had to do this, again, without King Saul knowing about it. In Samuel's obedience to the Lord, he went to Jesse anyways. When Samuel arrived in Bethlehem, he let Jesse know why he arrived. Jesse had eight sons, which sounds crazy to me. He has eight sons, but only presented Samuel with seven Samuel knew right away that none of them were ready to be king someday. And it says in verse 7 of chapter 16, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Isn't that so good? Because if he was looking at our appearance, I think a lot of us would probably be in trouble. Um, but God knew what David's heart was, and Samuel knew that David was the one God chose to become king next. So, with his passion for music, David was brought into Saul's service to play for him. I don't think this was something that David was anticipating or what his life would look like. It says in 1 Timothy 4.12, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. David probably had a lot of doubts, too. He probably wasn't sure why he was called to where he was going, but he was obedient and did what he was supposed to do anyways. God used young people then, and he still uses young people now. Maybe you aren't young. Maybe you just stepped into your passion or stepped into your calling. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're new to something or because you're young. Because if God has placed a passion in you, it doesn't matter what age it begins or how it begins. God needs your passions and your obedience to follow through. So what can our passion look like once we have started to pursue it? Passion is something that is wholehearted, not half-hearted, because God does not like lukewarm. So as an example, if I were to have purchased a brand new vehicle and I walked over to you and said, hey, I bought this new car for you. How would you react? I know a lot of us would probably be 
be doing backflips, screaming, going crazy. I probably would pass out from screaming too much. I don't know about you. If we say that we are passionate about worshiping our God, shouldn't our worship be explosive and crazy like that? Shouldn't that be a part of our everyday life, not just on a Sunday, not just on a Wednesday, but every single day we should be worshiping God because that's what we are created to do. Amen? Amen? Are we giving God our all in our worship time? A lot of people will just stand there mouthing the words or just a little hand raise to check the box that I did it. And that's not what we're called to do. We're called to give our heart and give our all in worship. Ultimately, our passion should reflect our love for Jesus. God is and was so passionate about us, like it says in John 3.16, that he gave his only son, his only son to die for us so that we can live forever with him. He didn't have to do that. But he wanted to because he's so passionate about us and he loves us. Isn't that so good? He's so good. Sometimes passion has opposition. I pursued my passion even though that there was tons of opposition. So how did that make me feel? It made me start to doubt. It made me start to question is this what I'm called to do? How am I going to even be able to do, am I going to be able to do good with this? Is this anything from God? Like I started to question, was this really something that God was telling me to do? Because that doubt likes to sit there and fester and fester and fester when the only thing we should be looking for is God's voice and what he's telling you to do. So I felt really uneasy. Um, I was thinking every step and every decision counts. Um, I felt just super uneasy. And when it comes to life choices, you probably shouldn't be uneasy about it. <laughs> you should feel very confident in taking that step forward. Not every time is like that, but my stubbornness, I definitely wanted to feel real confident in it. But with that obedience, God has done so much through the worship team, and I've been able to do so many things. I had the amazing opportunity to actually go to Russia whenever I was 12, 13 years old to um, do some worship over there for their kids' camp. Um, it was absolutely amazing to be able to do that. Um, if I hadn't listened to what God had told me to do and just take the step, because there were a lot of things that were blocking me. It was my very first time ever flying, ever going out of state, ever going out of country. Um, there were tons of obstacles in the way, but guess what? Obey. <laughs> I was obedient and followed through because I knew that's what I was supposed to be doing, and God did amazing things over there, which was super, super cool. On the flip side, when I started to truly pursue my passion, I felt like I was connecting to Jesus more. I as a kid, you know, you're kind of just doing your own thing. You're going to school, playing games, hanging out with friends. But my life was going to be involved with church. And I know that I needed to pursue my life with Jesus more. And that was the best way for me to connect with Jesus was to be able to, to just connect with him by 
asking him, is this my passion? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Did you place this on my heart? Instead of just talking to other people or listening to that doubt, I went straight to the source because a lot of people like to blame it on coincidence or just certain circumstances that go on. But I went to God for it. I also was super blessed through this time. I got to marry my beautiful wife, Christina. Um, I was blessed with a house and all these things that I didn't think I was going to have until I was 40. Um, I'm just super blessed, and I want to leave you with this. Your passion is not effective unless you start to apply it. So I'm going to say that one more time. Your passion is not effective unless you start to apply it. On how we can use your passion, please welcome up Pastor Justin. Thank you. All right. I, yeah, I'm so blessed to get the opportunity to come up here and do this. It is absolutely incredible that I'm even standing here. Um, I want to give another a round of applause to Pastor Lisa and Pastor Josh as well. An excellent job. And now that I've already got you clapping, it feels like a good time for me to start. So, <laughs> um, throughout my message, I'm going to be using passion and zeal interchangeably, because the Bible uses them interchangeably as well. And zeal is the more common use and can be defined as a focused desire characterized by passion and commitment. And that leads right into my first point about how to use your passion Using your zeal or using your passion takes commitment and faith you're going to reach the desired outcome. You can't have one without the other. you got to be committed. When you love something, when you're passionate about something, you are committed to it. And you work your butt off to achieve it. And if you don't visualize that goal, if you don't have faith that you're going to reach an outcome, whatever that looks like for you, then it's, it's all for nothing. There's no goal at the end. You're like, all right, well, I'm just going to do my part. I'm going to try and do this, but I don't know what it's for. And on the flip side, if you have faith that you're going to reach the desired out outcome, but you're not committed to, to putting in the work to get there, then it's not going to happen. You got to have faith that God's going to bring you that outcome and then be committed to reaching it. So let me give you an example from my life. I have a passion for hiking. I love lacing up my hiking boots putting a hiking backpack on and going off wandering in the woods somewhere. I have a goal that by the time that I turn 30, I want to hike the Grand Canyon's rim-to-rim -rim trail. Now this is a 24-25 mile trail. There is a 6,000 foot descent into the canyon and a 4,000 foot ascent back up. There is very little water, there's no railing, and temperatures in the bottom of the canyon can push a little over 100 degrees, sometimes 110, 120 on really bad days. And it's going to take a lot of commitment to prepare myself for this kind of hike. Take a lot of discipline, training, you know, the body, the mind to prepare myself to take this step. And if I'm not committed to this goal, then I could get to the canyon day one and look down and be like, no, nah, it's not for me. And turn around. I did all that work will have been wasted if I'm not committed to taking that step. 
And if I don't have faith that God's going to bring me to the desired outcome, which the other side of the canyon, then I'm gonna, I could start on my way down the canyon, get part of the way through, and be like, um, I'm not sure if I want to go any further. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm a little scared. I'm going to fall here. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go back. I'm just going to go back. You see, that's a lack of faith that you're going to reach the outcome, that you're going to reach the other side. You got to have faith that God is going to bring you to the other side and put in the work and be committed to reaching it. If you aren't committed to using your passion and have faith you will achieve your goal, it will fizzle out. You won't be successful. You won't go anywhere. You won't stretch yourself or get out of your comfort zone. I'm going to give you an example from the Bible of two men who were very committed and very faithful to God. And we've talked about them quite a bit this month. Caleb and Joshua. See, from the time that they went out to spy in the promised land to the time that Moses died was 40 years. They were committed to God's promise and had faith he was going to deliver it for 40 years. That is an insane level of commitment. Caleb and Joshua knew what they were going to be facing in the promised land too. They saw the giants They saw the fortified cities. They could have given up so many times in that 40-year time span. I mean, year five, they could have been like, ah, you know what, I don't don't want to do this. God, I don't don't think it's going to happen. I mean, year 10, they could have thrown in the towel and been like, no. I mean, if they had just given up, they would have been doomed to die in the wilderness with the rest of the Israelites. But see, they were committed to the promise that God made them. And their commitment didn't end there. Once they got to the promised land, they still had to be committed to fighting battles. They had to fight the giants. They had to take down the fortified cities. And they didn't know how they were going to do it, but they had faith God would deliver them the outcome. They had faith God would deliver the giants to them. God would deliver these fortified cities to them. They knew God was going to do it. So they were committed and took steps to achieving their desired outcome, which was the promised land. Romans 12, 11 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Fervor is yet another synonym for passion. Caleb and Joshua kept their fervor, kept their spiritual fervor. They loved the Lord and wanted to serve him. And so they kept at it. They were not lacking in zeal because they were passionate about bringing their people into the promised land. Like Pastor Lisa mentioned, your your zeal, your passion is a unique gift and it's a unique purpose God has given to you. You're not going to be lacking in something that God has gifted to you. Your passion is like a specialty tool that God gives you. A specialty tool is designed to do just one thing but do it very well. So, for example, a waffle iron. A waffle iron has, I'm sure you can do a few other things with it. You can probably make some other stuff with a waffle iron, but it has one intended purpose that it's supposed to do very well, and that's make waffles. It's the one thing it's supposed to do very well. Your passion is given to you for a specific purpose because you are going to use it well for the kingdom. God has a use for it. And God knows that you are going to use it best. And he has a place for you to use it. 
Now you may be thinking, there are, there are other people who share my passion, you know. There are other people who, who like hiking, who are passionate about it. There are other people who share my passion for worship. There are other people who share my passion for whatever it might be. You know, don't get caught into the trap of comparing yourself to someone else who's passionate about the same thing because God has a different use for you. You are going to have a different impact. You are going to use it like no one else will. So I have a passion for serving in kids as well. I love getting to pour into your kiddos back there, getting to serve them, play with them, speak into their lives. So does Pastor Christina. But we both impact those kids differently. We both connect with them differently. We both love on them differently. See, God is using the same passions, but using them in different ways. And the same goes for you. Like, sure, there may be people who are doing it better than you are, or who are better at it than you are, but that doesn't mean that you stand still and just don't use it because you think you're not good enough to use it. You are. God has a use for you, and it's different than that person who's doing it well. And you're going to use your passion well for the purpose that God intended. And it's the heart behind your passion that matters. The heart behind your passion determines how it is used. We've talked a lot about before about the heart behind what we do, the heart behind why we give, why we serve. The heart is what matters most. That's what Jesus is after. That's what God is after. Saul by all accounts, was a passionate and zealous man. But his zeal was misplaced. He was using it, he he had zeal for the Jewish religion, and he was using that zeal to pursue destroying the believers in Jesus, destroying the way. He was a passionate man, but he wasn't using his zeal well. He was using it for the wrong reasons. But then he met Jesus. And he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And his heart changed. Jesus redirected his zeal. That fire, that passion was always there, but it had the wrong direction. Jesus will redirect your passion, redirect your zeal to be used for his will, to be used for his purpose. After Saul met Jesus on the road, his passion was redirected towards expanding the kingdom of Christ. And he'd become one of the most well-known disciples, wrote, I don't even know how many books of the Bible. So, once you give your heart to Jesus, you're giving your passions to him as well. Jesus wants your whole heart, and that includes what you're passionate about. And once you give that to him, he will start directing where you can use it. He has a place for it in mind already. Once you've found out what it is, you've done the work to pursuing it. Like Pastor Lisa said, you, give, you surrender. You give up, all right, God, you use my passion. You've brought me through all of this. You've helped me find it. You've helped me pursue it. Jesus, how do you want me to use it? Where do you have me going? I never would have thought I would have been standing on this stage two years ago when I 
got furloughed from my job at South Point Honda at the time, and after I went back, I realized I wasn't passionate about what I was doing. I was just, I had a job, I was going through the motions, paying the bills, all that stuff. But I, didn't, I wasn't passionate about it. I didn't love what I did. And so I, I asked God to just help me find something that I loved, help me find something I wanted to pursue to where I can have an impact on others. And lo and behold, within two years, I end up here. God guided my every step. He helped me find what I was passionate about, pursue it, and then I had faith to take the step, and now I'm here. 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2, says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever suffers in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of their time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Because Christ gave up his life, we no longer pursue, once we meet Jesus, we no longer pursue fleshly desires, fleshly passions. Our passions are no longer just for us, before the will of God. Those fleshly passions, they desi- those desires, they, they die when we give our lives to Jesus. And he directs our passions from there. He uses them for his will. And that's all it takes is that step of surrender, of, to, of giving your passions and your heart to him, and he will direct it from there. He will find a use for it. Later on in Paul's life, he is in Athens, preaching in the streets about Jesus. And some guy recognizes it and says, oh, that's, that's pretty smart. Let's go, let's go take, let's go to the intellectual elite, see what they have to say about this. I'm not even going to try and pronounce them. I know I'm going to butcher it. So they're just the intellectual elite in Athens. But anyways, Paul goes to them and he preaches Jesus. He starts talking about the same things he was talking about. And in Acts 17, 28, and part of it, he says this. In him we live and move and have our being. In him we live and move and have our being. You know, our passions are in our heart. Like I said, God, God places them on our hearts. And our hearts, obviously, they're a, they're a part of our being. Our passions become a part of who we are. As anyone who knows me, you know, I'm passionate about hiking in the national parks. Half the clothes in my closet are national park stuff. And my son's room is all decorated in national park stuff. I love it. it becomes a, it's become a part of my identity, part of who I am. Our passions become a part of our being. And when we live for the will of God... They move us and others towards him. No one's going to follow a leader who's not passionate, right? If you're passionate, if you are truly living out your passions for the will of God, not only will you become closer to Jesus, but you will bring others along the way. They will see that. Like, oh, that person, they've got a fire, they've got a passion. I don't understand. I want to know what that's about. And that's your opportunity to say, well, 
It's about Jesus. All of this is about Jesus. Everything I've done, it's been about Jesus. Everything I'm pursuing, this, this thing I'm passionate about, I'm doing it for him. If y'all will please stand. Bow your heads and close your eyes. In Greek, the meaning of zeal just means hot. Or to add life to the fire. Jesus has placed that fire in your heart. God has placed a passion in your heart. And when you meet Jesus, there's the life added in. To add life to the fire. Because otherwise, we're using our passions for ourselves. Our own self-desires, our own self-gratification, our own glory. And, you know, culture today will say, that's okay. Take care of yourself. Focus on yourself. Look at yourself. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we are to give our hearts and surrender everything to Him. And your passion won't be used effectively if you're not surrendering and giving your heart to Him. So I want to invite today, if you, if you haven't surrendered your heart to Him, if you haven't given yourself to Jesus, then it's time to make that move. It's time to add that life to your fire. Because then from there, God will direct the use of that fire. Maybe you're in a place where you haven't found your passion. Or maybe you're in a place where you haven't taken the step to pursue it because you may be afraid of what that looks like or the work that's going to take or whatever. Maybe you haven't taken the step to use it yet. As we've talked about, invite Jesus in. He will identify what you're passionate about. You'll say, here, this is the passion I've placed on your heart. These are the steps that you are going to take. Follow my will. Follow my path that I've laid before you. And now that you've done the work, I've got a place for you to use it. So I invite you, if you have not given your heart to Jesus, if you've not given your passions and your whole being we have our being in him, our whole being, our heart, our mind, our everything. If you haven't given it to Jesus, I invite you to raise your hand right now. I invite you to open up your heart to Jesus and surrender to him. He has a use for you. And he wants your heart, wants your passions. He wants your life, all of it. Well, another step you can take is inviting the Holy Spirit into your life. Like I said, back in, in Romans, it says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. Where does that spiritual fervor come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. He stirs up the zeal. He stirs up the passion in you. You feel like you may be lacking. Pray to the Holy Spirit. 
If you haven't received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of, of speaking in other tongues, I invite you to raise your hand and do that as well today. Don't be lacking in zeal. Don't be lacking in passion. Let the Holy Spirit stir up your fire. Like I said, the life, you've already added the life to the fire with Jesus. Now allow the Holy Spirit to stir it up. Well, if you're in this room and you still want to take that step or maybe something that Pastor Lisa, Pastor Josh, or I said struck a chord with you and you just want prayer, the prayer team is at the back of the room. They'll be happy to, to walk you through receiving Jesus, receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We're just praying with you and supporting you and loving on you. So Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you've placed passions in each and every one of our hearts and that we're going to be using them for your will. That we've dedicated our hearts to you and now we're going to use our passions for you to impact others, to bring others closer to you. Others are going to see our passion, recognize it, and say, I want what they have. So Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity that I've gotten to, to pour into the lives of these people. I just thank you that you've given me the chance to speak up here, Lord Jesus. And I thank you for all that you're doing in the lives of each and every person in this room. And if there is someone in here or watching online who needs to meet you, Lord Jesus, I pray that you stir in their hearts, Lord, that you stir the passion for you in their hearts. In your name I pray. Amen.